Maybe I should just make some comments. I'll read one text and I'll make some comments. Please, friends, don't think hierarchically with elders. Don't think hierarchy. If you think hierarchical, you think that they're the ones that have got to do the job. No, no, no. They're the ones that have got to be inspired themselves and inspire others to do the job. If we think hierarchically, you see, not being an elder doesn't stop you from fathering and mothering in the church. Actually, that's by gift. That's who we are. If we've been around for a long time, our job in this next season is to father and mother the church and bring, and bring the next generation through. All are meant to function in the gift God has given on their lives. And uh, what we cannot do is we cannot think hierarchically. We've got to think f family. You've got to think like that. It's like, it's like the mom and dad are not, are not the, 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 the kind of hierarchical lords of the house. Actually, the whole point of a mom and dad is to make sure that their kids are trained and equipped in life, educated so that they can function and, believe, and follow Jesus in what they call to do. And actually, that's what the job of elders are. We're here for the benefit of others so that others can step into what God has for them. So let's have a quick look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'll make a number of comments, and then we'll be done. 1 Peter chapter 5. This is what it says. It says to the elders among you. There's this word elders. Elder is, come, come, is, is the word presbyteros in the, in, the, in the Greek. And it is the same person. When you, you're gonna, we're going to read this text. The word elder, the word shepherd, and the word overseer are all interchangeable words for the same person. The word shepherd is the word poimain. The word uh, overseer is the word episkopos, where we get the word bishop from. So in the scriptures, the bishop is not that guy that's kind of above all the others. The bishop and the, the episcopos and the, the shepherd and the elder are actually all the same, the, same per, the same person. They're not different people. And so you'll see that as we, as we read along here. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. So this is Paul, who is an apostle. He says to them, to you elders, I appeal to you as an, a fellow, fellow elder. You see, when Paul's at home, he's an elder. But when he's out, he's an apostle. Both of those are functional terms. If you're not going, if you're not releasing, if you're not building, and you're not thinking out there like apostles do, then you're not, if you're not apostling, then you're not an apostle. And if you're not eldering, you're not an elder. Both of those are functional words. And that's why I like the word appoint rather than ordain. Because see, if you ordain somebody then what you do is for life they are elders. The reality, friends, and all of these couples that are coming on now are marketplace elders. They're not being paid by the church. We're hoping that one or two of them might come onto the staff of the church as finances allow. But the real, and so part of the, the requirement for them that I've put to them is that this, not only have you got to be called, not only have you got to be gifted and anointed to do this job, because actually it says in Acts chapter 20, the Holy Spirit makes you elders. Not only do you have, not only are you um, uh, got to be that, I've just lost my train of thought now. What was I talking about? Function, eldership, marketplace, no. Oh, I was talking about, yes, time. That's it, it's been a, oh, you know, you're married to a doctor. Yeah. And um, he, uh, actually for them, Part of their, because they're marketplace, part of the reality is they've got to have time to do this. So one of, one of the things I've said, have you got time? 
have you got time to prioritize for this thing? Because if you're not functioning in it, you can't do it. You can't be it. It's not a title. It's a function. And so if we're not loving and caring for people, if we're not pastoring, if we're not shepherding, if we're not overseeing, if we're not eldering, which is leading, actually, then you can't do this job. We can't be this, you can't be on the team. And so that's why appointing is better because actually if you ordain somebody, you like that forever. But if you appoint somebody and you set in place, as soon as they stop functioning, maybe they, maybe they get too old and don't want to do it or can't do it. Maybe they get sick and they stop doing it. Maybe they move and relocate somewhere because God's called them somewhere else. But in that space, they're actually not elders in the church. You see, friends, just because you've been ordained an elder in this church, you go to the next church, it doesn't mean you're an elder there. You might have the call of God to be an elder, but you've still got to be recognized by that community and functioning in that community to be recognized as an eldership couple there. It's very functional. It's not by title. This idea of once an elder, always an elder for life, its function is not right. Actually, it, it, we, are function, we function as elders, and as soon as you stop doing that, you step off, and there's got to be a fluidity to the team where marketplace guys, if they get busy, if they've got open a new business, or they have health issues, or whatever it is, actually there's a, there's a time where you can say, you know what, I'm actually not able to function now. Please, can we step aside for a moment or t for a year and actually come back onto the team when, things, when space opens up again? The whole idea of, of fun it's, a, it's a function, not a title. So where are we here? I'm on a fellow elder. So Paul is, uh, is an, uh, he's an apostle, but he's also a fellow elder. I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. He says here, be shepherds of God's flock. There we go. See, he says that as an elder, fellow elder, now he's saying be shepherds of God's flock. Number one, this thing is absolutely key for eldership in the life of a church, is you've got to have a shepherd heart. This is about the people. This is not about us. This is about our people being fed well. Our people being loved well. It's not about am I touching everybody's life, but as a team and as a broader leadership team and as a church as we minister to each other, are we touching each other's lives and are we creating space for people to operate in their gifts? You see, be shepherds of God's flock. Be shepherds. What do shepherds do? They love the sheep. They feed the sheep. So part of the job of elders is to teach. The primary teaching, the primary job of, or, or, or primary uh, people group that teaches in the life of a local church are the eldership team. They are responsibility for the doctrine and the teaching in the local church, not the apostolic team. The apostolic team comes alongside the eldership team to support and encourage and to weigh their gift in to equip, help equip the, uh, uh, the church for the works of service. Teaching. So love the sheep. You've got to feed the sheep. You've also got to protect the sheep. You've got to guard the sheep. It's amazing here. It says shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. It's under our care. Part of the job of an elder is to refute bad doctrine. Is to recognize wolves and kick them out. That's part of a job. Part of a job of an eldership team is not to be Mr. Nasca. It's actually to govern. 
It's actually to bring safety and security, to bring good teaching, to bring good love into the life of a community so that can community can grow in Christ. It's the way God has designed it in the life of a church. What do elders do? What do shepherds do? They also lead the church. So they love the church, they feed the church, they protect the church, and they lead the church. That word lead, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 5, it's the rule. It talks about elders that rule well. Actually, it's a leadership term. It's a strong term. So part of the eldership responsibility is to direct the affairs of the church and to lead well. To set the pace, to get in front and say, come follow me as I follow Christ. Got to lead. And when, you, when I say leading, we're going to hear now in this text, it's not leading like a dictator does. It goes on to say in this text, don't, don't lead like somebody lording over the people. Actually, the leadership that the eldership do is actually a servant-hearted, shepherd-hearted leadership. And so actually we are here, and, and, and so much of the church gets this wrong. The people, of the leaders of the church are put in place, and actually they become the man of God or the woman of God, and actually what they expect is for the people to serve them. When in actual fact, the way that God has designed it is that leadership is put into the life of the church to serve the people and to love the people. It's the other way around. It's completely the other way around in terms of the leadership of God. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Jesus is our example. Very, very key. And I know that this is probably old hat for some of you, but I think it's worth repeating for those that have never heard this before. Doctrine, discipline, and direction are the job of the elders. And I want to add another one, discipleship. Part of the, the job of an, elders, of, of, of an eldership team is to produce disciples. The thing that Jesus did for three years when he started his ministry was to release the kingdom of God, bring the heaven to earth, and create a discipleship group that would be the next group of leaders that would take this message and this kingdom around. Discipleship, people that follow Jesus, are absolutely key. And we as an eldership team, now a bigger eldership team, are committed to this fact. We want to see people fall in love with Jesus. We want to see people love following Jesus. We want to see people so fall in love with Jesus that they will do anything for Him in response to His word, in response to His call. Doctrine, discipline, direction, and discipling, which includes the mission of God. Part of the job of an eldership team is to guard the mission of God, that we're going, that we're releasing, that we're sending. It is, let me, uh, let's get back here. Shepherds, that was all under shepherds, of God's flock, that's another big point. Remember this, is that the flock is God's, not ours. It's not mine. In Acts chapter 20, it says, people that were bought with his blood. I didn't shed my blood for the life of this church, but Jesus did. And as an eldership team, we're so cognizant of this fact that we are here to shepherd God's flock, to take care of God's flock, which means we answer to God. We are going to answer when we stand before God at the end of time, when we go to the, the next world, when we stand before Jesus, I'm going to be asked, Stan, how did, you, how did you look after your wife? Heather, my family. My next question I believe God is going to ask me, and how did you look after my church, my bride? How did you look after your bride, and how did you look after my bride as an elder? And actually, we've got to have this really sober reality that actually the job that we do, friends, it's God's people, not our people. We don't abuse the people, we don't use the people, we don't manipulate the people, we call people into a big story with Jesus at its center. 
Be shepherds of God's flock, which is under your curse. They're serving, there we go, there's the word serving as overseers. There's the, the, the third word. Remember, elder, shepherd, and overseer. There's the three, three, three words that describe what el the eldership do. Serving as overseers. Not because you must, but because you are willing. Every single one of these couples are here, not because they must, not because they have to, but because they have a desire to step into what God's called them to be. And it's been a deep concern of mine that actually people that serve on this eldership team, they're here because God's called them, not because I've called them. They're because God's called them and God's anointed them, and they love the sheep of this church. And they love the people of this church, and they will serve the people of this church. It's absolutely key for the health of a, of a local church. But because, you might, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money. There it is. We have a, a reality in, in a lot of the church, and, and particularly in Africa, but not only Africa, where actually the man of God is the richest guy in the church. Got the fanciest clothes, got the biggest salary, got the fanciest car. Friends, that is not, I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless his people and his leaders. But friends, we don't do it for money. We do it because God's called us. Let me tell you right now, there's no amount of money in the world that you'll do this job for if you do it properly. Not, because, not, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. There it is. There's the heart of a servant leader. Eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you. Man. Imagine standing before God and said, let me see that whip in your hand. You whip my people. You lorded over my people. I shudder at that conversation with God. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So part of this eldership call is to be examples. The way you love, the way you care, the way your marriage works, the way your children work. The qualifications for an eldership, for eldership is domestic qualifications, your family in order. Spiritual qualifications, your spiritual life is in order. Character qualifications, you've got a character to be able to withstand, to, to push away the greed. To say, not given too much drunkenness, it says in Timothy. Not, not wanting, not trying to get rich. All these things are character things that actually God wants in his leaders. But when, when the chief shepherd appears, he says, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. It's an absolute privilege to, to minister to God's people. And there are moments when I think, Lord, I don't want this job. Give it to somebody else. And there are moments when I want to pinch myself and I want to say, Lord, thank you, God. I couldn't think of doing anything else. I couldn't think of anything else in the midst of all what that means. So there's a text around what elders are. I want to say this. It is normative for, a healthy, for healthy churches to produce elders from within them. It is normative for that. It's not exclusively that. As I said this morning, Drew and Megan Land have been some, uh, somebody that was added to this church and literally were here for a very short time and came onto eldership. And there'll be others that will come directly onto this eldership team from outside. But friends, it is normative and healthy that leaders are raised from within a local church and are to express the leadership of that local church. And you see that right through the scriptures in Acts chapter 14 and Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 13 says this, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
You see, those group of leaders are people amongst them that they can see their, their life and their, their example of faith in, their life, in the lives that they live. This is a con- now a controversial one for you. New Testament elders, I believe, are male, but we function as couples because we are one in Christ. The, 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 the Genesis chapter 1 says this to, to the husband and the wife. They give the great commission to both of them. So this is given to, to couples. So we function very much together. When we pray together, we husbands and wives together. When we're making big calls together, it's husband and wives together. But the governmental, I'm not talking about gifting. There are, men, there are women gifted on this team that are way more gifted than me. It's not about gifting. I'm talking about a government standing in front of, protecting, looking after, that I believe is a, male's, a man's responsibility in the home and because the church is a family in the local church. It's a phenomenal thing. This thing of oneness in marriage is an amazing thing. And in the church, we want to role, role model fathers and we want to role model mothers and we want to role model parenting. And it's phenomenal as well, even around the, the issue of, of when, when God gives Adam Eve, he, he, he looks for a suitable helper. And I said this this morning, suitable means like but different. So you know that men and women are like but different. Very different but very much alike. The same species like Adam and Eve, the, couldn't, the animals wouldn't do. And then helper is a word that is used, it's not like an, a word like, that means assistant. It means like to surround, it actually means to surround with help, like God surrounds Israel with his power and his help. And so actually the, the reality is this, is that eldership as, as men, we are, can't do what we are called to do without wives. And together we minister, together we do this thing, we can't do it on our own. And so we, I believe that men, the males are, are if you had to really push me, and the men are the elders, but the reality is the way we function is we function as a team, every one of these couples. And what's f- phenomenal, friends, if you have a look at these five couples that are up here, there are 10 powerhouses in these couples, men and women, that are called to minister, that are called to lead, that are called to do whatever God's called them to do. And my prayer is this, is that nobody, no man, woman, child, woman, anybody in this church will not walk into their call. And my, my, my faith is that God will enable and release more and more and more as we get it right. Friends, this, this nation is in a fatherless uh, crisis. It's in a fathering crisis. The world is in a fathering crisis. And we've got to model good fathering. Fathering that doesn't dominate. The fathering that doesn't say it's all about me. Actually, fathering that serves and makes space and creates space for your wife and for your family and your kids and all that are around you to be what they're called to be. Because the job, the authority that a husband is given in the home is, a, is an authority to serve and lay his life down for his family. That's the kind of father, the leadership that we are wanting to, to see employed in the life of the church. So you'll see that we are going to, when we lay hands, when we appoint, we're going to appoint couples. Because we can't do it with each, without one another. Number five is this. The qualifications for an elder, I'll be finishing in two minutes. The qualifications for an elder is not a degree. It's not a, to be a good communicator. Those all help. Listen, when, and when I say not a degree, friends, we've got to have a theological paradigm and a strength because we've got to be able to refute bad doctrine. 
But friends, qualification, just because you've got a degree doesn't make you an elder. Doesn't make you qualified for leadership in the life of the church. There are theological universities that do have theological degrees and courses that don't believe in Jesus, and they study the Bible. Not being a good communicator, qualifications for elders, not being a good communicator, it's not being very spiritually gifted. The most spiritually gifted person in the church is not the eldership couple. That's not, that's not what qualifies elders. I believe that every single one of these 10 new people that are coming up here are very spiritually gifted in their own spheres and in their own ways. The qualifications for an elder is not the person with the big bucks in the church. We need more of those, but they're not going to be elders necessarily. The qualifications for elders is not the longest serving member of the church just because you've been around for a long time. Rather, it's being called by God, being anointed by God, being gifted by God, having character in place, having a love for the church and the sheep. And God anoints and appoints for a season and for that time. The next thing I want to say about eldership is that it's always in plurality. It's never on its own. You're never on your own. It's never the elder. It's always the elders. It's a team with a leader. We believe in a leader, but we believe in a team. Why is that so important? Because actually one person cannot take the responsibility for a whole community. You need checks and balances. If it was left just up to me, my gifting would predominate and we would move towards my stuff rather than the ex explosive gifting that was, that was up here earlier on. All differently, ask different questions about the uh, problems and what we see in front of us. One of the most profound question answers I know is Greg Wiggily. He will ask questions from all sides in different ways. Absolutely profound. And we need the Wigglies on the team because of what they bring. It's a manifold wisdom that's needed. So you need, that's why it's plurality. You need a manifold wisdom, not just a singular wisdom. To carry a load, you need a team. Expression of gifting, you need a team. And remembering this, the differences between elders are functional, not formal. So different people relate to different elders differently. And you might not relate to this couple, but you do relate to that couple. That's okay. But we still got to recognize that God's called them and appointed them for this time at this season in this church. They're different responsibility, they're different, a difference in, in grace, gifts, etc., etc. But as a team, I'm trusting in God that this will be the team that will carry the church forward into its next season. And I'm expecting explosive, catalytic, kingdom come growth in the life of the church because of these couples that are coming on. And as I said, next Sunday morning, Tyron will be here. I think Nicole's coming with him. Tyron and Nicole, they need the, lead the NCMI translocal team. And he is going to be here not just to come within his apostolic capacity to, to, to put something into our foundations, to adjust us, to, to speak to us with his apostolic going heart, Jesus Christ-centered heart. But actually, he's going to come, and he's going to help us by outside of us recognizing what we've already recognized and, and saying, yes, guys, I see it as well. Bless you. And lay hands. And so we point these, these couples into, onto the team. 
Isn't that unbelievably exciting? And so if you are in the, in, uh, normally come in the evening, I want to really encourage you to come in the morning as well and be part of the celebration of that. And obviously Tyron has got, uh, he's got a, a celebration that he's doing in Mpangeni or Richards Bay, so he can't be here with us in the evening. But in the morning we've got him for some time. And then also on the 12th, the following weekend, in the evening at, at, at City Hill, Tyron's going to be speaking, and we're all going to, all the NCMI-relating churches in Durban, it should be, I would say, there should be three to 4,000 people there on, uh, on Sunday night. It is going to be an absolute blast. And uh, trust that God speaks to us in a profound way and into the region into a profound way. So, friends, I'm unbelievably excited, I want to tell you. It's been an 18-month journey, and I cannot believe we're here at this place now. And I cannot believe that Greg and Taryn Wigley are going to serve on team with us. I want to pinch myself. Christian and Helen Berenkup are actually, you know, friends, Helen has got to be one of the most gifted communicators that I know. Honestly, she has got, she has got, can I just say this thing about women as well? On Tyron's apostolic team, he's got single women and he's got single guys. He's got married guys, married couples, where the, where the man is the, is the gift and the wife is kind of coming along for the ride. And he's got married couples where the woman is the gift and the men are coming along for the ride. We are called in this church to raise up apostolic gifts like Rosie Binder. So what Greg said was absolutely true. Glenridge's apostolic. Friends, there is a sending and a releasing of gifts from this church into the nations of the world. Men, women, single women, married people, all sorts that God wants to release into the nations of the world. And I can tell you now, right now, watch out for Helen Bredenkamp. Watch out for Helen Bredenkamp. I think of Melindy and Lufefe Kala. They're like glue people. They know everybody. They connect with everybody. They just pull people together. They meet people and put people into home groups. They care for people. They're incredible pastoral gifts amongst others. Ray and, Ray and Kathy Manisis are profound prophetic teaching gifts. Unpacking the Bible, Ray has got this love for the Scriptures, and all he wants to do is teach and preach and teach and teach and teach. Absolutely what we need. We need good theological foundations in the life of this church, and that's why they're involved with equipping. Nick and Jan Macmillan, I mean, they are just all-rounders. Jan looks after our media. All the communication, all this stuff is Jan's creativity coming out. But more than that, their love for people, their home group, their just, their ability to communicate, their ability to love on people and just be there is absolutely phenomenal. Friends, God is gifting this church with, with, some, with some new eldership couples. It is absolutely, who have I left out? There's, have I got everybody? Did I? Jeez, I don't want to lead anybody out. I'll get cross with me, you know. But absolutely, really, really excited. So bless you guys. Love you. Please rejoice with us. Come and get around them. Congratulate them. Blow wind in their sails, guys. What we need is to blow wind in their sails and say, go for it, guys. Lead. And we'll follow. And uh, as you follow Christ, we'll follow you. So Father, I thank you for what you're doing amongst us. I thank you for the absolutely incredible gifts that are on display in this church. And I thank you for the others that are going to come through, Lord God. 
Father, where there is going to be an apostolic vacuum that is created, Lord God, where as people going are released, there's going to be a, a, a suction of new people into that space and to minister and to look after your people, Lord God. And Father, it is just an absolute privilege to build with you and to work with you, Jesus, to walk with you. And Father, I ask you, Lord God, that next Sunday would be explosive for us, Lord. It would be explosive for us as leaders are added. And that, Father, that next Sunday would be a ground-taking moment where we are surged forward into the inheritance that you have for us with men and women qualified, able, gifted, and ready to serve your people, Lord God. And I thank you for that. Pray, prepare our hearts for Tyrant, Lord, as he comes and ministers. Prepare our hearts for Tyrant, for the apostolic word that is going to explode our hearts, Lord, and send our hearts, Lord. I thank you for that in your amazing, amazing name. Amen. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Thanks, Greg.